Yeah, I, I'm Jackson. I have zero experience with carpentry. I studied at a school for historic preservation in Boston and learned about how things were built, you know, 250 years ago. There's a long way to go. I'm nowhere near the top. Not that I thought I was, but there's so much more to do out there. Welcome back to the Passion for Craft podcast. Back again, answering your questions. Uh, once again, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask in the Discord or on the Patreon. Um, the best places to go to ask these questions, to be able to get involved, stay a part of the conversation. But um, Richard, take us away again. More yeah. questions. Yeah, we're continuing on from the last episode. Um, we're going to get into these again because we've just you know, ran out of time last time. So the first one is from Jay Brewer says, loving the podcast, you guys, you are hitting a perfect balance of craftsman interest and historic homeowner interest. Ever thought of an Angie's list of builders? He said, quote unquote, Angie's list of builders. So I guess like a network of builders and craftsmen with bona fides you've met in various states that have a passion. So these folks can be easier to find. The waiting list for you guys like Brent or Reisinger and trying to get them to travel is hard if we could find a state, regional, local craftsman. So he's saying like a network, like you, you're you here in you know, uh, New Jersey or whatever, and you're like, I need to find like a bona fide builder. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? What are you, any thoughts on that? How, that? how that might work out? It's a pretty good idea. It's a great idea. I think it's a good idea too. They don't want to make a lot of money because that. <laughs> I, think that's is, a, I, I know it's hard to administer because it's almost a separate business. There was a lady who wrote a book called "The Not So Big House," Sarah Zizanka, and she tried to put together a list of builders and or architects who could, you know, who understood that. And I don't remember how it worked. I don't remember. It, I shouldn't say. I, I don't remember whether it was successful because mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you know, it's almost its own business that you that you'd have to minister. Or, and, and and what would we go visit every builder in, in these other states? Yeah. and kind of verify them. Uh, go ahead, name every builder. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's it, how it goes. They- so it, it's. I think it's uh, a great idea. I, you know, I don't know how to how you do it. Um, Implement it. Yeah. yeah, but it's a it's a it's it, it is a good idea, and and it, it's encouraging that he would even suggest that, right? It means mm-hmm. that we're, we are hitting a chord, um, right? Yeah, yeah, so we just need some brain child to implement it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the core problem with that is it's one or the other. In my mind, and maybe I'm thinking about this all wrong, but um, you either can build great things or you can find people who build great things. But equivalently, your job changes from being a craftsman to being a talent scout if you're going to yep, run a business like that. And I mean, it would take someone like you who had a passion for that to go and explore, like do the Bryn Hole Roadshow and you, you know go might, find craftsmen. Yeah. You know, it might be an easier way to do it. Um, or another way to do it is, is to have a university where you are, you know, they have to come to the university and then you can, then, Send they, can them be, out. Oh, then yeah. they could be, you know, I, I went to the, you know, yeah, passion for craft university, and and you know I I'm I'm knowledgeable about these things now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working on becoming, and and they put that little maybe there's a little tag they have, you know, been to passion for craft university. It's like or, a compass yeah, in yeah, a tree. PCU instead of TCU. I could finally put a <laughs> sticker on my car. No. <laughs> um, the uh, well, I, I, I right? mean, but there, yes, a hundred percent. There's something to be said about. Uh, 
that we we've talked about this before, but the standardization, uh, it gets me really excited what Dan's doing, like with, yes. having a standardized system. I think it gets a lot of people excited because just having a quantifier in a, in an art field is something that's very exciting. Cause there's not a lot that can say like, Oh, is this, am I good enough? Am I, you know, what puts you there? Um, but it would take something like that. It would take implementing that system and then into a nationwide thing. Uh, but then, you know, again, you get into the problem of verification where, and I know we're not trying to swoop and poop here, but the, uh, the biggest problem is like, is verification, right? Yeah. Because then you just have to make sure that everyone who you are saying is valid on this list is not just going, no, yeah, I can, I can, uh, fit out a room and molding in five minutes and I'm a level nine craftsman. Yeah. Nine, nine. By the way, your swoop and poop comment, uh, uh -huh. which is a reference to an older episode. True. Um, someone said in the Discord recently that said, we need to get a new, another shirt. Did you see that one? I did see that one. Yeah. It was so, in the Patreon. Yeah. So, so the, the, the one comp shirt was buildmanship, right? Yeah, we yeah. needed that one. And this one, the next one was, I don't speak Roman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember saying it. <laughs> Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. And swoop and poop would be the third shirt. <laughs> <laughs> don't swoop and poop yeah yeah let's not um <laughs> i understand his sentiment i i would be curious to know what the market demand for that would be whether it'd be high or not but uh you know i think i think the thing i get excited about is is what we're trying to do is constant fight is a constant battle it requires constant education and this is just another step hey come to this university we're going to talk through and yeah. you have a test at the end yeah. you get passed and get credentials and, well, the, the, and you're verified. The, so this is awesome. I'm swooping and pooping even more here. Uh, <laughs> I guess I, I'm not providing a The problem is swooping and pooping is providing uh, feedback without providing a solution to that feedback. But the other problem that you run into is uh, do homeowners care about this list? Do builders care about this? Like who, yeah, who that's, cares? That's exactly you know? my, my because, market uh, question. Is, yeah. is, is there, would there be even demand for this? Well, I, I think there would be demand on a builder side and it would take, it would just take a lot of, Hey, I am, you know, with the AKC, you're, you're certified, your, your dogs are certified in a certain way. Mm -hmm. It would just take having the certification first and then saying, hey, these are all these houses that were built by See, know, I, I, would, I would also be curious. I, I don't, I'm not sure I agree with you. I don't think there would be demand from the builder side. I think there would be demand from the homeowner side. You think there would be demand from yeah. the homeowner side? But it, but it takes no, – I'm saying the, on the front end, it takes the know-how of like, why as a homeowner do I care that they're Passion for Craft certified – I think I get a ton of comments from people on my YouTube page frustrated by uh, builders and frustrated by the lack of quality design that, they're, that they want. If they had a place where they knew that there was builders that actually spoke this language, that actually mm. understood this stuff, they would just be falling over themselves. Mm. So, Well, I'm, I'm on the opposite camp. I think builders would love to have a certification under their belt no, and no, would work and, to and, get and it. And that's why I'm, I'm questioning. I go, I'm curious whether there'd be more. Yeah, I think it brings up a point from your interview episode where you talked about the you, there was a job board at the North Bennett Street. And yeah. you'd say, you know, call them. Hey, I'm from North Bennett Street. Well, come on, you know. Yeah. Come, come. I think it would be like that. The homeowners are like, Oh, your passion for craft university. Come on, you know, let's, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. I know you aren't going to screw this up. Right. You know? So it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's, it sounds like 
I think there's demand on the builder side. You think there's demand on homeowner side. Do you think there's? I think it's more on the homeowner side. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well. Yeah, I would think. Start it up. I, I mean, we dealt with a lot of homeowners yeah. who are frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that a lot of builders like I don't need that. My house is sell right. Mm. So. Yeah, because hey, population, well, not because of your designs. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would you say. You got to have a place to live. All right, this is That's still uh, Jay Brewer. He's put out a couple questions. Hit here, us, which Jay. Is great. As prices climb and climb, I would love to hear general thoughts on barn dominiums. Are they cost-effective basic steel structures that you can still detail and design to high quality and detail spec within? Or are these things crap from all angles and a rough storm will blow them apart like a mobile home? <laughs> Barn Dominiums. He wants to know our thoughts. Uh, well, I think you're doing the barndo of all barndos out there, you know, and we're helping you with that. Yeah. The uh, I love barn. Just before. Why it, do you like them? Before it gets shot down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I think they're so cool. Just This is just purely from like, if I knew nothing about architecture, if I knew nothing about any like solid building, Oh man! Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's define barndo. Okay, barn dominium. Yeah. Is it a uh, steel structure with the metal cladding? That's a big barn. Is that a barn dominium in your mind? All I know is there's this one family that I know that built one, and inside of it, I don't know the specifics of the materials that they used or whatever, but. It is a giant, looks like some sort of metal siding on the outside. They've got all their ATVs, four-wheelers, cars, mini... That's a cool barn to Inside yeah. the bottom floor. Wait, 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 wait. And then they go to the top floor, and then they've got a house that's been completely framed, and then they've got drywall set in, so it looks... You don't have the metal frame look and feel, but... It was very cool because, you know, they step outside of their normal looking house into, you know, I think, and they did like a farmhouse modern kind of style in their interior. And then, so it, it was sounds, cool. I thought it, sound, it looked cool. No, I think well, the reason I said no, 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 is because I heard both of you guys go, oh, yeah. After we had described the four wheelers and the other toys inside the basement, yeah. <laughs> you guys were not talking about the architecture. You're talking about the toys and the function. I think of, of the that experience. Thing. You're not talking about the styling. Hey, there's something to. Okay, I visited this one. It was really cool. <laughs> they had a game room inside. Though. It was awesome. Yeah, they, they they did have a game room, and you like you. Let me just explain. You're you walk into this room. There's a giant screen. Okay. And there is a wall full of guns, okay? And so you've got a pistol, a shotgun, an AR, like, and you can shoot the screen, and it's like a video game that you're playing. It was crazy. Yeah, but you're right. It was all the toys. We're, it's, it's so cool. This guy's place, he had a plane, and just to put this guy's financial situation in the, <laughs> into perspective. The other part of this was his airplane hangar. But uh, it was very fun. It was very cool. They had a room with a wall full of candy. It was great. <laughs> so you've mentioned planes, candy, guns, nothing about the architecture. No, I'm joking. You're, no, you're right. You're 100% right. Because, you know, you drive out to this place, and it is a... But I think... Aluminum I think the barn dominium is, is representative of the, you know... You know, let's not spend money on the outside. Let's spend the, it on the, the inside. mindset of the American consumer, right? Yeah. I've got, I've got all, I've got one place that's going to hold all my toys 
and you know i'm gonna live there i've got a gun yeah. room in the in the downstairs and, I, and i've got you know this this walkout basement that goes to the pool and then upstairs i got this living and you're it's just all there and it's just right and so i don't think um they're, pretty cool <laughs> i don't think that they are necessarily uh you know you know, contributing to the neighborhood, right? I don't think they're <laughs> they're 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 communicating. What neighborhood? Not, I don't think they're communicating the values of honesty and integrity and things like that when they're clad in metal. And so, mm -hmm. and, yeah. but you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that barn, the cheap barns that that were they're throwing up all over things are just ugly big buildings yeah, that are just, very functional. Okay, they're stupid ugly. And so stupid, the, the, the one that we're building, right, we try to create this whole narrative. We try to create this, that there's, this, there's a time of when each thing was built, right? It ended up being very expensive, right? It's not, it's not something people can afford. And so, you know, I, I, I'm struggling with it, well, but, I, mean, but the, I don't think we should be building barndominiums. No, the whole idea behind the barndominium is completely wrong right well the the whole idea behind it is spend less money on the outside to spend more money on the inside and the things so kind of i mean it's it, it is because all you want to do is you have a you're not focused on making the structure beautiful you're not focused on making anything mm -hmm. but you can make the inside look pretty and you can beautify it up and make and it looks cool when there's a metal frame around a well, bunch I of think, ATVs. And yeah, a plane. I think that the 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 thing that's attracted people is that that whole idea of of living in a almost commercial uh, type building where you have a big sliding door that slides across, and all of a sudden your living rooms outside, right? Mm -hmm. That those those are kind of cool features that are like, yeah, this just feels like, gosh, I'm really roughing it, or I'm really, you know, I'm I'm living in another time or place. Glamping on steroids, and, right? And from that perspective, I can I can kind of see the the appeal, but I mean, culture and value wise, they're not their best. Well, mm -hmm. I I mean, you're you're saying culture and value wise, the, the, you, the question that you ask a lot is, are they going to stand the test of time? And the answer is absolutely not. I mean, let's say, uh, you know, we have a lot of things from Pompeii as an example. Well, and I mean, how long is a barn dough going to last, right? Is it a 50-year building, you know? Is it? No. Oh, I think the way they build them, they're steel beam, yeah. right? Set in the concrete. Mm -hmm. But I think, the, I mean, that, that the material will last a long time. I guess I'm oh, thinking about the aluminum the siding in the outside. No, no, no. Oh, I wasn't talking about the trend. I think we should talk about the trend. Yeah, well, he has a little bit more. It's kind of like what you were saying. The devil's in the details, but it seems like a great way to combine uh, home and shop spaces structurally while limiting costs, which allows for more spending on interior architectural and finishing work. So he's kind of saying like yeah. what your, where your mind was. Jay and I are on the same page. I've <laughs> always been like that. <laughs> and then he says, yet most all of them are only okay looking outside and ranch life, extremely ugly, open concept inside. Not that I want to force a Tudor interior into one, but something with punctuated, purposeful spaces could be made to work. Georgian Palladian, classical thoughts, etc. I'm not seeing Georgian Palladian in a barn dough. Mm -mm. I'm just not seeing it. But I mean, you could definitely finish it out how you want. But I don't yeah. think I don't think you walk into this steel building and then there's like Georgian arch and you yeah. know that's that wouldn't really be f be a disconnect. Well, to yeah. to his point. Uh, you know, you can spend a lot less money on the exterior, spend a lot more money on the interior. What parts of the house typically cost the most? Is the outside of the house 
the most cost or is it no i mean you got a kitchen with appliances or a master bath with all their stuff well let's take all the appliance and crap out of the equation and just talk like materials that make the build pretty so like molding and and those kind of things i think it's going to be interior interior is going to cost more yeah because the the, uh so you're really not saving that much money for but i know you are because a lot of those barndos the videos are like, we spent $20,000 on our house, all in all. And it's like, how? Mm-hmm. And the barn dominium is, well, I guess. I did make that number yeah. up. But it, um, it was one of those things where we were kind of like. It, it was a low <laughs> enough number that made you go, what? Um, so For all that and an ATV? <laughs> <laughs> He's still on the ATV. They're fun. Yeah, no, I, I think that they're, you know, what we're trying to do when we're, we're doing these any houses, we're trying to create a narrative, okay? And to that last point about George and you, when you walk up to something, when you get inside, you should feel like you're still in the same place. Mm-hmm. And if you walk up to a barn and walk in, and all of a sudden you're in a Georgian, you know, living room, I think that's a disconnect. And so I just don't think it works. Mm-hmm. I your, would feel point. like I'm in a like a like a showroom. Yeah, you know, like yeah, come. This is our metal building. This is where we have all of our. Yeah. You know, do you want Georgian? It, uh, yeah. yeah, it'd be yeah, kind of yeah. weird. So next question, are there any internship, apprenticeship opportunities coming in the future from whole homes or whole millwork? So this is a Brent question. Internship, apprentice opportunities. How good are you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it depends on what position you're looking for. We do occasionally take some interns to to do stuff. Um, We're big enough that, that, that it's not, it depends what you want to learn. If you just want to come and just kind of stand around and look and stuff and, and be put to work, most likely you're, you're going to be put to work, you know, at the bottom of the totem pole, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be, you know, working for others. You're going to be watching and learning and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. those jobs are available um, as summer internships and things like that as, as work is available. I did those. But, but uh, um we, we don't really have an internship program, okay. right, where you come here and for three months you'll learn, walk away with X, Y, and Z. We're just not that organized. <laughs> what about – he's also asked apprenticeship opportunities. That's – I guess you kind of answered Same that. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes, um, but I don't want to – I don't want to – officially you, open it yeah, up <laughs> and, and have you think that oh well if i go through this apprenticeship program at hold uh, no really you're just gonna be hired on as a you know lower thing and and you're gonna slowly learn and yeah stuff. but yeah a it, lot it like, should be better organized well speaking not. to my experience working here whenever i was hired on as hold, i was a minimum wage worker and i was cleaning up the shop so mm-hmm. i was sweeping floors and then i was helping hold cuts together and this bunch of random work um and it, it's learning by osmosis like i learned how to use a router but it was because the guy was like i run 50 of these and like, okay yeah and he taught me how to do it and i did it <laughs> and he went and worked on other things while i was doing that and then i brought all the 50 routers to me and he probably had to rerun like four or five of them um so it was and i was you know, barely doing that, but mainly I was just there to clean up the shop and I was there to true apprentice. Yeah. I guess when, when I think of like the apprenticeship I had at North Bennett street, which was the two year program set up as an apprenticeship, you know, there was teaching classes and there was, there was things, Hey, here's this. Now we're going to go do this and take your hand plane and do this. And, 
it's not it's not you're gonna learn on the job yes because real real projects totally yeah none of the guys who are working for hull are working there under the mindset of let me train up this new guy it's hey we've all done that and now we're working here yeah so um i guess i'm answering this way because i would like us to have Mm -hmm. a you know training thing like dan's is talking about you know the training that those guys do and stuff like that uh, it takes a not, lot of organization. Yeah, a lot of organization. <laughs> but also, I mean, it sounds, you guys are saying it takes a lot of organization. It really doesn't take that much organization when you think about it because Dan has set his company up to run that way. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he started his company with the mindset of we're going to have older guys who are experienced working with younger guys who are not experienced. And that's how we're starting. So, it was almost like he had a guy. It was an early core value. Exactly. And yeah. it, everything just got built up around that. Where And it's really easy to start implementing systems like how do we quantify builders? How do we do all this when your whole company is set up? Like Because if you have two guys working together and one guy's like, oh, I should be paid more. You go, well, how do I justify how much you're getting paid? Well, let me just make a, a quick metric, you know? Well, it still takes a lot of organization. I'm not trying to discount Dan's organizational skills or anything like that, but I am saying the it's fact that they... It's more organizational skills than I possess. Yeah, yeah. Let me put it that way. But the, just the fact that... But I think if you had made this business to be a training business, to like have guys come up, Maybe, but it would he's, be he's a very organized, purposeful person. And, yeah. And, and I tend to be a little bit more, you know, 30,000 feet. <laughs> Instead of, yeah. you know, I'm in more the details. With you. Yeah, I come yeah. by that honest. That's, uh, yeah, you get that. Yeah, I all right. It. So, uh, program opens up next week. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, any su- Liam Connolly, next question. Any suggestions for sourcing good lumber? I am in central Florida, but I'd love if you could talk a bit about the market for stuff like four quarter, 12 quarter Sapili. So, I've actually never purchased Sapili place where I go to up here in North Fort Worth plywood company they don't carry it um, but I have called around and and found places uh, to get Sapili but I'm I don't for me with this question I don't buy a ton of lumber so I don't know what do you think about how, how does someone someone comes to you and says how do I find good lumber I mean what do you tell them well um, exotics I guess to Sapili I guess I'm amazed how much good information is available on Google Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, even when we're trying to find, I was trying to find old growth vertical grain fur. Okay, and so you know we called to some of our dealers, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, I don't know if I can get that." Yeah, I don't know. I got on Google, and there's you know five guys available that that could that were there, and so it, it's kind of flipped, uh, at least in my years in business that. Um, you know, to find old growth longleaf yellow pine used to be you had to know the right people. And now, you know, Google's algorithms have dropped down far enough that you can actually find these people. I'm usually going into f- page five, wow. six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, uh, but they're there. But they're there. And so the answer there. is GFGI? I don't know what GFGI is. Just freaking Google it. Oh. Uh, I think so. I mean, you know, it's when you, I think the harder thing is knowing which woods to ask for, right? I think, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that he knows about Sapili, Caboni, Akoya, you know, and he, if he's in central Florida, the old growth was like longleaf pine and, you know, tidewater red cypress will all perform well there. Um, that those are the things that he's typing into that Google search to find them. Um, 
And the, the second difficulty may be that some of those wholesalers won't sell to him retail. Mm-hmm. And so like we deal with a wholesale forest products company that, uh, you know, won't sell to a homeowner. And so, yeah. you know, you got to be in the trade. So, mm-hmm. all right. Next question. This is for me, Richard, where do you see yourself? in let's say two to five years, are you still going doing YouTube, which I like, or go more towards custom work with Brent? So the short answer is I see myself as, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I, no, I think it's good. I see myself doing exactly what I'm doing now. I don't see maybe a little bit more growth or whatever, but I'm happy. You know, that counts for a lot. I'm making the YouTube videos, which I do enjoy. Mm -hmm. I'm working with whole, which is awesome opportunities to work on cool projects. And I don't really see what more I would want mm-hmm. to, to give you the short answer. Yeah. I want to make videos. I want to, uh, well, I actually, the thing I do want to progress in is my craftsmanship, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and I've come a long way, even in a year, mm-hmm. like a year and a half. I feel like looking back, it's, there's been a lot of progress. So, yeah. uh, definitely buying a lot more tools. Yeah. I see that coming. And I'm um, realizing how hard it is to work in a two-car garage and actually do some cool stuff. <laughs> it's tough, man. It's tough. So yeah, um, you build a barnabinium, and then you have your shop downstairs, and what? <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, get an ATV. Yeah, guns. <laughs> Throw it down. Yeah. No, but yeah, I I kind of see myself where I am, which I know that's kind of a boring answer, but where I am just more skilled in what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Even that even comes to um the videos. I was talking to Austin about getting how I can get more cinematic shots and, you know, editing stuff and then also the craftsman side of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's a good answer. Good answer. All right, Nathan Miller ask I want to know if it makes sense to just use a picture molding without any additional pieces of crown I have a 1924 bungalow with stained gray trim in the living room there is no crown but in the attic there is a picture molding that was pulled off at some point the ceiling height is eight foot three inches and I'd love to reinstall the picture molding but not sure it will look good without any other crown pieces so he's got the picture rail which is that historic molding where you can hang up pictures apparently someone popped it off shoved it in the attic and he's asking, can he put this back? And where does he put it? Mm. Is it appropriate for him to put that back? You're, what do you think? I mean, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. I think I answered on that thing, but the uh, um, that's what I would do if I if it was my house. And and you know, I, I think I did a whole video on um, crown moldings in eight foot rooms. And most of the times, you don't do it right, mm-hmm. especially after World War II. But in a pre-1940 house, the picture mold really was the molding, especially in our market. Um, it's about a half an inch to three quarters of an inch below the ceiling. And, you know, it's running nearly every room. And so, mm-hmm. um, except maybe in a dining room where they might have a timbered ceiling or a beam ceiling, you know, there wasn't the crown, the three and a half inch, eighty sixteen crown or eighty twelve mm-hmm. crown. It just wasn't around then in, a, in a, those early bungalows. And so that's a... Uh, Putting crown in every room is a post nineteen seventies thing. Wow. Okay. So install it. Go ahead and reinstall it and put 100%. it about three quarters of an inch away. Get it. All right. Um, Cole Sergeant ask. I, mean, I guess he's asking all of us. Sergeant. <laughs> salute. Actually, you only salute officers. Did oh. you know that? Sergeant. 
I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I unsaluted. I was in the Marines. It was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your service. You're welcome. What does your dream home look like? Well, I'll answer first. Yeah. I'm with you. I like the the Greek revival. I'm sorry, (laughs) the Georgian. Mm. The Georgian revival houses. I think those are just so amazing. I like the symmetry of them. I like the fact that they always have... um, like palladian window a lot of times and then the gardens they're surrounded by gardens i just love the way those houses look but i'm also with you uh from the last episode it needs to kind of be the right property Mm. it kind of is weird if it's just shoved into some like city block it still looks great but yeah for the full effect of it i feel like it needs to be almost like an estate that is definitely a dream i don't think i'll ever get that but that would be my dream home, like a really well done um, Georgian revival. Mm. I, I answered this last one, you know, that Greek revival on the, you know, seven, 10 acres kind of thing, um, or uh, an arts and crafts bungalow kind of thing in an in, in building it, you know, an infill in a, in a city block uh, sounds pretty good to me. And you're the Bardo guy. Yeah, I'd love a Bardo. It'd be <clears throat> no. Um, I've always said I really like Colonial, but it, it it depends on what I'm doing, and it, and it depends on like where I'm at. Because if I'm in on like a huge plot of land, like you're saying, um, I would love uh, like an English countryside looking house, um, or like cottage style house. But uh, I think in in I would like a modest Colonial looking house would be my um, nice thing i i don't like any of the overly ornate stuff like even in i don't know sometimes the really 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 nice houses like the really when they've got the intricately carved details and the intricate i just think it's a it's a little too much for me so uh, you maybe not be a fan of victorian too much because it's like a little over the top i am out on victorian okay. entirely that it just it's so much yeah I, i'm into more like if i'm going big i'd do like gothic would be yeah. more the desire but uh no, I like I like a like modest colonial. That's like my favorite. Hmm. You wouldn't want Michael Jordan's mansion that's been for sale for like fifteen years. Well, there's a reason it's been for sale for fifteen <laughs> it's like years. A tw- there's like a twenty three on the gate when you drive oh, in. It's, it's so personal. So gaudy, like, yeah. You can't sell it. Yeah, I couldn't. But. That's not my cup of tea. <laughs> All right, this one is from John Wadines. He says, I live in Las Vegas instead of Sin City. It should be called MDF City. We predominantly have the no, prototypical... I think Sin City is appropriately named with Man Yeah, it's MDF. very sinful. Yeah. Um, we have the prototypical slap together massive square foot for as cheap as possible homes. It is a new city, so I rarely see any homes with any architectural panache. Even the two to three million dollar homes are just larger versions of production style homes. Mm. Basically, I'd love to understand a connection between the old world architecture design and what can be done with these type of homes. And I think you kind of hit on this on your Wednesday videos where you take something that's a little bit, you know, modern cookie cutter, like that last one you did Mm -hmm. and you try your best with it. And I think for me, that's the answer. If you have these houses that are built, I mean, you can either knock them down and rebuild, which is not cost effective, not Wasteful. smart. Yeah. So you kind of got to work with what you got. Yeah. So uh, that's my answer kind of on that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I think that uh, Vegas is a tough place to build because there is no good architectural heritage there, right? Mm-hmm. That town was you know, built in the 
50s, 60s, 70s, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, who was the gangster one? Bugsy Malone or whatever. Uh, yeah, I know. Went out about. there and and you know basically got the investment happening that there was there was free gambling there and so you know that that happened so late in our architectural History. timeline yeah. that that there's no. Well, the original, you know, Georgian mansion, What you know, because if you go to New England, you know, so much of that housing stock is based on those original housing styles. If we, if you come to uh, Fort Worth, Texas, Middle America, so much of our early housing stocks was period revival stuff. Now you see the later housing stock being period revival a little bit. Englishes and, uh, and French and, and Mediterranean styles are still predominant here. You go out there... So you're saying what you're matching to doesn't exist, basically? Yeah, I mean, it's that architectural heritage that drives new houses today, there isn't one out there. Mm -hmm. And so you just end up with this kind of desert ugly look. And so it's really difficult to to take a, that one of those houses and do one of my Wednesday videos on traditional details. Oh, there is no hard. there is no example of traditional details out there. If I was going to try to get something that is to that heritage, it would be, you know, you look at the mission revivals, the missions that right, the earliest houses and things in Texas were missions, right? Same in California. So the ranch style works out there. It sounds to me like though there's an opportunity out there to kind of educate people and what if someone does see a, a beautiful house and they're like, whoa, that's, you don't see that out here. Who, who built that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's an opportunity Open there. Open market, baby. I agree. Um, I, I guess my question about it was more, um, uh, well, I guess it's more for you. It's not about it. Uh, could you build, okay, so you, you just moved to a place and you've made gambling legal there, whatever. Um, you're building the first house that ever exists in a new place, and it is truly like deserted island. There's been no historic precedent out there before, and you just get to create the architectural style. Do you have an idea of like how you would go about that? You too, because I think you know architectural styles well, way better than I do. <laughs> if you would, if you look at like you you would look at natural materials. Okay. okay? So is the so let's that- take let's take Nevada. Let's take uh, you know, well, is it a desert island like Greece? Okay, where you're gonna take lava rock because that's what your natural material is, and then you're gonna stucco it, and you're gonna kind of create an architectural style based on those natural materials. Or are you coming to America where all you have is forests, so you are building in the heritage style of your, you know, homeland, but using those natural materials. So depend on what you're. Where so you're let's going. let's just play out the scenario like you're going to Nevada for the first time. So and you're probably ended up building adobe things like the early Indians did in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So you would follow with the adobe style? Be an adobe style house? I don't know the exact materials that are in. Uh, I think sandstone is the is the is the natural stone material out there. Mm-hmm. But it would be something because it's Las Vegas, because it's heat and cold. You'd want to buy build a house with a thermal massing that's going to be very. Um, uh, so you'd want to use a lot of stone. You'd want to use a lot of stone. You'd want to paint them white. You'd want to, you know, re- reflect the sun. You'd want to, you know, anyway. But it, 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 that's where you would start, I think. What would you do? Um, build a barn dog? I don't know that I would <laughs> settle in the desert. Yeah, yeah. 
I think no, no. But you're no, an architect. That's, that's, that's a dodging been, your question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were just kind of stuck with what you have. Mm. So I would pretty much say the same answer. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty mm-hmm. much the same. All right. I'd build a modest colonial style house. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, next question, Joshua Bohm. What is everyone's favorite architectural style of a single family home? I think we kind of just said that, but I'll say it again because we want to answer every question. Mm-hmm. I like the the Georgian revivals. Um, if I wasn't going to build a house, uh, I would probably move into a 1920s-ish period revival house. What period? Well, like it, it, like that, that I did a video on that house on Pembroke uh, in Fort Worth. There's right next to each other. There's a colonial revival, a period, uh, an English revival, an Italian revival, and you know that's cool. All right there together. So when I say period revival, I mean any of those would okay. be great. Yeah. I think I would do a. Uh, I wish I knew more <laughs> styles, uh, but I do think I would stick towards like the colonial style. Yeah. Um, though if you gave me a picture book, I'd probably pick something else. Um, <laughs> yeah. If I lived in Larry, that was more historic. I'd love to live in like an 1820s federal house or something like that. But we yeah. just don't have that housing stock here. All right. And this one is the last one from here. This is Justin Brownlee. My wife and I are in Fort Worth and are either buying a lot to build new or buying an old home, like 90 years old, given our target neighborhoods. How would you think about this decision and what are your favorite Fort Worth neighborhoods? Um, So I'll make sure. I think, like I just said, I like those period revival neighborhoods. So I would be, if I were them, I'd look in Fairmount. I'd look in... uh, uh, Forest Park, I'd look in Mistletoe, I'd look in Park Hill. Um, there are a few areas around Arlington Heights, a few areas around TCU. TCU's screwed up because of all the the college students and the the, the prices in there and stuff like that. So the pricing is screwed up. You're saying, yeah. yeah. I mean, if if you like the mid century stuff, I might look over in Ridgely because I think mid century's kind of cool. And so, but those are the neighborhoods that come to mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to say the same thing. So that's- Yeah, me too. <laughs> and what are your thoughts, and we can all answer this, on buying a lot to build new or buying an old home? I guess you kind of got to just look within yourself and see what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both are exciting. I, I've done the old home. I'm kind of going through that process right now. There's a lot to repair. There's a lot of things that were done cheaply over the years and especially on the addition the addition to that original house is blowing my mind how crappy it was well that's usually where you get the most um well i i I think my uh thought is um i don't have i can't afford me (laughs) so (laughs) i i I probably wouldn't build new i would probably try to buy old Mm -hmm. um because i'm going to get a lot more for my money architecturally and so um yeah, I, the problem is I geek out to all these details. And so if I'm going to end up building something, I ended up, I think I would cost myself out of it. So I'd try to probably get the most house I could, a good historic house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, he didn't mention a budget, but yeah, he, he said no budget. So. He said money, no object. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, he didn't say that. I don't put words into yeah, his we, mouth. We put but, his name out there too. So um, No, like, yeah, they're both they're both good ways to go but i think if you want a more crafted house it is going to be the the buying the older one 
Yeah. You're going to have more architectural detail. So I'd buy new personally or buy a lot and build new. Yeah. Um, it would be it fun. Would, if, if money's no object, because like you're saying, you can do it all right yeah. or close to right, you know? And so you're not dealing with the jack wagons who have, who've come through the years and done the weird stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> jack wagons. We have uh, a, <laughs> are you okay? I'm good. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, the house that I work out of is bananas. Um, like in a good, good way, bananas? Because bananas can go either way. It could go either way. <laughs> it's leaning to the wrong way. It's the wrong, but rotten. Bananas. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of chaos in the piping. Um, it is just, it's a nightmare, but it's a fun one. It's a fun nightmare. That's funny. So I think that about wraps it up for the questions that I think we answered all of them. Hopefully I, I didn't leave anybody out. I think I got everyone though. But another question that we get on multiple of our YouTube videos is, well, you guys are kind of living in a dream world. You know, you talk about all this craftsmanship and that's all fine and dandy, but come on, really. Can the average person really do what you're talking about? And basically the question is, can everyone afford craftsmanship? Is it obtainable to the average Joe? And, you know, my answer to it is that there's different levels within craftsmanship. And, you know, speaking on the realm of the world I live in and moldings is like, you know, you can have the cheap builder grade type moldings going into the house like all the these new houses are getting. And you could just upgrade those with like a Kukin or a Windsor it doesn't change anything about the 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 install the craftsman doing the work. It, yeah. You're just changing the product, and I feel like you've elevated the craftsmanship of your house, mm-hmm. and you haven't necessarily you paid a little bit more. But it, it is it is obtainable. It is affordable. Like I did this comparison of a Windsor board compared to a board from Lowe's, a, a one by. Um, any of them, one by four, six, they're, they were all, the Windsor ones were all 14 cents more. That's yeah. it. And I, I bring this up all the time because I'm like, guys, it's what we're asking is not to build some like mega mansion or some tem- like Greek temple. Mm-hmm. We're just asking to think about, <clears throat> like, we're trying to provoke you to think about like, how can I execute this in a way that is crafted within my budget, mm-hmm. layouts, stuff like that. So, can everyone afford it? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Because as you go up in those levels, you know, I'm talking just changing out of molding. Well, you then you got like Vasil's carvings and everything in between that. Yeah. I can't afford Vasil's carvings. Yeah. So that would be awesome. But, you know, great. I've never got a quote because um, <laughs> I was Pretty told sure if you have to ask yeah. that you can't afford it. But no. But, <laughs> um, but that's, that's the question. What do you well, say to these people? I, I'll also say this because I, ha, you know, a, a member, a proud member of this podcast have, you know, told my friends about this and said, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because one of the claims that we have made and we make quite proudly is that you can do, you can do things right for sometimes even less money than doing things not right. Um, and we were doing the uh, new urbanism thing, and uh, I think a point got brought up where it was like, well, yeah, but it's going to cost you way more. It's just not feasible. You can't do it like that. You can't do it right for new urbanism. And I was like, 
hold on. <laughs> Am I having a stroke here? Or like, what, what just happened? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This is the conversation you're having with your buddies? No, I, I have the conversation often that you can do things right for sometimes less money right? than doing things unright. Okay, I'm not following. You're, you're feeling gaslit by who? You Us. Guys. Okay, so on the podcast, when we say oh, this, you're you. feeling pod. You're, you said yeah, you're talking sorry, to your friends. Well, no, I do talk to my friends about the podcast. And I'm like, this is happening, and we can do it for. And they're saying you could do it cheaper than whatever. They, us, they, these guys. Yeah, yeah, y'all are saying. And I'm like, yeah, they're saying that. And then y'all are like, yeah, of course we can do it cheaper. It's better. And then I talk to my friends. They're like, there's no way. They that just can't happen. And I'm like. Am I wrong? And I, I just, I'm confused. So there are times where I, you know, I feel like I'm like, is it possible? And it just seems like the knowledge base in the world is so low on the fact that like, this is possible. It is possible to build things the right way, do things yeah. quote unquote correctly. I think it, without- is, it is because if you, you can do something cheaper and make it look right. For example, the good example is all the roof lines on houses today. Yeah. If you just make it not as flashy and trying to get all this curb appeal with all these gable ends could just make like a flat roof. That's mm-hmm. going to be cheaper, mm-hmm. but people think, like, you know, not a flat roof, but you know, just yeah. not as many ridge lines. Right. It's not going to be as eye popping to the consumer. So that's one example. Yeah. That's a great example. And I think there are, you know, probably 15 or 20 examples like you're just two. Okay. Between Windsor and, and the, and the roof lines, that uh, if you took them out of uh, kind of new production building, you could build it cheaper. Okay, I and think better. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be cheaper and better. Yeah, I think a production builder would look at you and go, "Yeah, well, fourteen cents added up over you know thirty-five bores is you know twenty-seven fifty. And, and my they, argument would be, "Come on, man! What, if, look <laughs> no, at know, this but, thing." <laughs> but I mean, if it costs more, it does cost more. Okay, yeah. it would be their point. And so what I would push back is, is like, look. I don't want it to be, and you hear me say this, I don't want it to be just a conversation about cost, right? I want it to be a conversation about longevity, too, because I can, you can build a deck off the back of your porch, okay, for, you know, $8,000, okay? Now, if you're going to do it in stone with a stone patio and a concrete base, it would be, you know, $25,000. So, yeah, it's a lot more, but... In 10 years, that deck is going to start needing to be repaired, start mm-hmm. needing to be you know touched up. And in 15 years, you're going to start replacing boards. And in 20 years, you're going to have to probably replace the whole thing. Okay? So it's a 20-year product. The stone patio, done properly, done thing, is, is, is going to be there for 100 years, mm-hmm. 75 years, 50, whatever. But in, going down. in three cycles, <laughs> in three cycles, right, you've now, uh, you know, got something that's much more longer lasting and everything else right now and essentially it, co- cheaper. it costs more okay but the value of it is more too and the resale value of, of putting that thing on the market you're going to return more money for that you know properly done stone patio than than the wood deck mm-hmm. and so again it can't I don't want it to be a, a simple look, you know, to, to put this board up is, is less than, I'm not saying that it's going right. to be less. I'm saying that the long-term value of it is, is more, okay, and does cost less. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's where I would push back and say, and say look, it, it, let's change the conversation to, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, 
watches, right? You know, I can I can spend, you know, $250 for this, but I'm already ready to throw it away, right? And, you know, I know Rolexes right now, they're they're buying them from 1965, the birth year, parents are giving them to their kids for graduation, the birth year of the of the watch, the Rolex watch. Hmm. So there's a watch that's, you know, you know, 60 years old, and I would go through, you know, 30 of these watches <laughs> before I before I yeah. have that. Now, a Rolex costs more than a Timex, right? But it's, you know, there's value in it. And also mm -hmm. the, the other fact is, is that today you can buy that Rolex watch and it costs more than when you when you bought it new in 65. So, I mean, those things go for $10,000 right now, right? So I'm not saying everybody can afford Rolexes and just buy Rolex. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that, you know, it, it is an example of, you know, this conversation everybody wants to say, no way you can do that. Well, wait a minute. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? What is, you know, because as a value thing, there's no doubt about it that craftsmanship pays, right? That craftsmanship is worth it. Mm -hmm. um, as a total costing, if you only want to break this conversation down just to cost, yes, craftsmanship costs more. Well, mm -hmm. if you're just looking at it on paper. Pause, because craftsmanship costs more in a 10-year period, but in a 50-year period, craftsmen cost less, correct? Well, I would say in a one-year period, it costs more. In a 10-year period, it costs less. Costs less, okay. And the reason that we're saying that, we're obviously, Ramaz here is just understanding, but the reason that we're saying that is because uh, you will have to buy the same product mm. 10 times. Basically, when we work for large commercial institutions, especially historic institutions, they do not look at they'll have a they'll have a, a, a I remember LSU was doing this program and they had uh, they're re-roofing and they've got all of these red Ludoichi tile buildings okay and they were doing the uh, a cost value analysis on the the roofs okay and they did not look at you know, if they said building A needs to be re-roofed okay and they got they solicit three bids and so you know one bid, isn't for Luduichi roof piles. It's for going back with metal, and another one's going back, you know, with a with a concrete clay tile. They do not look at that thing like there's the bids. You know, let's just pick the best price. They always look at it over a hundred year period. Okay, they always and so then they do this life cycle analysis that the actual life cycle of that roof over a hundred year period is actually only costing us $1,500 a year, mm -hmm. where this other one's gonna cost us $3,500 a year. Yeah. So all of a sudden, this is not a, you know, this 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 price on the, on the invoice sheet mm -hmm. is a price over a lifetime of things. So going back to my deck analogy, the, the annualized cost of that deck is actually much less than the, you know, than the, than the wood deck, uh, the concrete patio versus the wood deck. And I would say it costs less. That's where, you know, you could push back and say craftsmanship costs less. It's an investment. It seems like you're kind of putting more money aside up front and kind of getting some back because you're not. And that's, that's you know, the value that Americans aren't good at, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the thing. The waiting, right? You know, you know the saving up. <laughs> what so, is that? Yeah, the saving up so that you can uh, afford it later, right? It isn't a, really a value that we, you know, it's it's credit cards. Let's let's put it on the credit card. I want it now. And you see that bottom line. Oh, this one's cheaper. I can. That's less on my card well, now. And, and obviously, that's what we're fighting against. But I, and I don't know if 
maybe we haven't done the best job of explaining that to people. No, is, we've explained it. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, they're not understanding. It's like, no, dang, maybe I haven't been paying attention. Um, but no, I, I think maybe there's something to that to where, you know, uh, and I don't know if, if we have done a bad job of that or anything, but I will say uh, that is the number one pushback that I hear is, well, it does cost more. Like, you know, you're not, it's not and, cheaper. And, and, and look, okay, here's the other thing I'd I say. I know you hate the conversation about cost because it's. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing I would say. The artist is that, over is here. Is that the. Um, <laughs> Uh, when Gwen Hefner, I helped this 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 lady in Kansas City, the Makerista. Okay, mm-hmm. she's got a huge following on Instagram, and she's she's great. She's she's talented. She's uh, um, you sure you want to call her out? Um, no, but our conversation, and I told her very early on. I said, Gwen, you've got to fight for these details. And I was talking to her about stairs, and she goes, the the code enforcement guy, my builder says I can't do this. That this person says I can't do this. I said. They're lying to you, okay? You can do this, okay? Not intentionally, but they are. Some of them were intentionally. (laughs) Some of them were intentional. And I was just like, look, I'm just telling you, okay? You can do this the right way. (laughs) Ready to take that away from me? You can do this, but it is a fight, okay? You got to fight the code enforcement guy. You got to fight your builder. You got to fight the. The, 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 what the, is their incentive the, to cut the, this cost the down? Stair, there's, there's speed. Not only speed, but also code. Well, code won't let you do that. Code. Why would code get in the way? That seems like a crazy one for him to be have a dog in this fight. Just trust me. He I'm, does. I don't want to get okay. into the long conversation <laughs> about this this stair thing. It was just... This is important. It, it was an example of... And my point is, is that... We as craftsmen and as builders and as homeowners, whoever's listening out there that that wants to, you know, build better, it's a fight. Mm. It is a fight to, you know, because everybody's going to be pushing back to you just like they push back on us that, well, no one can afford that, right? And you guys are in a dream world. Wait, okay, we've, we've carefully explained three or four examples of, of – Okay, yes, that might cost more, but it's going to be better. And, and we're talking about value in different places. And so this is a, we are so Walmartized in, in, in our world by, you know, cost that we assume everything should be judged by the value of cost. And, and a part of our pushback is, no, it's not about cost all the time. Well, I think a better way of saying that is it's not just about cost. No, I said it right. All right. <laughs> well, the other... Uh, I guess the the question that is burning in my mind now is when is it okay to worry about cost? Like what's the, when's the moment where you're like, yeah, you know what? It's not worth it for craftsmanship in this area because. <gasps> What'd you say? Um, Do I not have enough passion? No, I mean, everybody has a budget. Okay. And yeah, yeah. Everybody has to live within that budget. And I think our push is to say whatever your budget is, find the best things you can do within that budget maybe cough up the extra 14 cents a board Mm -hmm. you know to have this lasting impact i I agree and i think that you know i had a client tell us one time there will be no budget on this job okay really four years later okay we've hit our budget we are we are we are done okay we need to finish this job up Sorry, I'm laughing at four years later. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's, he, he basically, he basically said, we started out. <laughs> I don't speak Roman. <laughs> we started out 
um, you know, where we wanted one of everything. And he goes, we're done with that. And he goes, and, and look, to the point is, everybody has a budget. He and so, said, now we that want one is of kind everything? of. Yeah, that's how they started out. Give me one of everything. Yeah, I'll take the lot. Or like one of a kind, right? Like everything custom. Is that kind of what he meant? Yes, that's what he meant. Okay. And so, so it, that was living in a dream world, but that eventually came to an end. It did. And, and to your point, everybody has. So your question of you know when do you let, we're, whether you're building a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house or a three three million dollar house, there there's budget range, and, and so the so the. The, the the secret sauce, mm-hmm. right, is figuring out on that $350,000 house where you're going to spend money and where you're not. Mm. And on that $3.5 million house, where you're going to spend money and where you're not. Because there are many wasteful things that they're spending money on. You know, ridge lines on the roofs and all, all the goofy bumps and bruises that are in some of these houses that mm-hmm. would be much simpler and easier to build and less expensive. That's where, you know, you save money, but there are going to be places where you're going to want to uh, – spend money and look in, in 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 my mind that that ends up being the the personal whim of the homeowner and and you know what they want mm-hmm. so save money on the things that don't value you don't bring value to you and then spend money on the things that do i think so i mean you want an atv apparently um in in your in your like barn dominion land yeah yeah <laughs> the the you know that's what you would spend money on right I'd like, the, I'd like the gun wall first, but yeah. then, yeah. Okay. So you're getting the metal siding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're saying. Uh, I, well, I say that I say all that, but then at the same time, I can't envision myself driving up to a metal barn every day. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing's for sure. It would encourage me to stay inside. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so you, would, you wouldn't be on the ATV, unfortunately. Yeah, I wouldn't be on the ATV. You could um, ride it inside. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have enough room. Well, okay. Austin just brought up the point that there were two houses that y'all were looking at when y'all were kind of evaluating the quality of two of real estate of a bunch of different houses. Uh, and he said one was $900,000 and one was $1.3 million. And the $900,000 one was better built than the $1.3 million house. Yeah. So Austin and his other, you know, business, uh, it, it shoots real estate videos for a real estate company. And they, uh, you know, we went and looked at a $900,000 house was built in the twenties, which was awesome. Right. And then he shows me a video of a $1.3 million house built, what, five years ago, 10 years ago. And it was a piece of junk. And so, you know, it was, you know, then you look at it and go, wow, craftsmanship really does pay. Right. Because, you know, now you're looking at two different houses. One's even more expensive, but if you were going to compare the two, you would, you know, there'd be, it was night and day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there, there's a stark, you know, and maybe you just, if we just kind of summarize, just say, look, the, the entry-level house in 1920, okay, compared to the entry-level house in, in 2020 is, is, I mean, overwhelming. You know, it's overwhelming if you just look at those two yeah. house styles. The other piece of this puzzle that's just super fascinating is someone is, like, the real estate market has missed the valuation of these two things. You know what I mean? Like the real estate market has missed the value, one point three million dollars. That's it. Totally, they have, and that's what makes it so hard. That's what you've got to fight for. That's 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 well. And the banks have done that, and the builders have done that, and then your neighbors have done that, and so you know. But there's there's something to be said about the the gems that people don't know are gems. True. Yeah. yeah. 
Because when you evaluate real estate, you're looking at square foot, pool, right. you know, bedrooms. You're not looking at the mantle. Well, I guess you're that's not, a good not question. not even considering it on, on at least a realtor's, like, paperwork. They're not, oh, and it has this mantle. So there, I, it's not like the it's a one-to-one comparison. That's what I was saying, that people weren't understanding the cost of the nicer house. But that makes sense. That makes more sense. Yeah, because it's only sold off square foot. Because that's they're like, selling off square That's, like, foot. what they do. Yeah, yeah, Realtors. Yeah. They're not going to include craftsmanship in their, like, maybe a little bit, but not to the degree that we're talking about. Well, not, and, and only when it helps them, right? Only when it helps them sell, sell an older house that, that's true. really built well, they go, oh, my gosh, the craftsmanship. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but they don't look at a, they don't look at that, that $1.3 million house and go, oh, the craftsmanship. They go, it's very practical. Okay. Well, they, the they say it's are, big. The closets are huge. Yeah. Right. They say, you know, they're, they're talking about the functional things. Mm-hmm. And when, when they see the older houses that are really well constructed and beautifully crafted, hey, they, the argument, they bring it up. The argument could be brought up about us saying that we don't focus on the functionality things unless it helps us. Right. Well, you're not talking. Uh, yeah. You how am I going to fit all my clothes in that closet? How am I going to, you know? No, we, we run into that. I mean, we, you know, there is, uh, when we try to talk them out of the bigger bathrooms and the bigger and the, you know, more for more, just like, you know, you're, 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 you're having that conversation. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Cause people end up valuing the other things more than they do square footage. Uh, it's, it just depends with each client. It seems like everyone's different. It's no rule. Well, I think that, uh, makes a lot of sense. That is our last question. We're all good. Yes. That was the was last it, question yeah, that one has been asked general, by multiple people yeah so there you go and push back on that like we would love to hear the pushback and you know uh if you're feeling gaslit like i was uh ask the questions and let's get them answered and figured out um <laughs> that was canadian <laughs> accent for those of you in the great white north uh thanks for watching this episode of passion for craft podcast feel free to follow us on patreon uh, or jump into our Discord where we would love to continue the conversation with you there. Mm-hmm.